overwhelmed by a flood of epic proportions. You remember how the disciples cried out to Jesus in the boat when the storm arose on the Sea of Galilee. The early church was scattered far and wide because of horrible and often inhumane persecution. And as you heard Pastor Aaron say, the Apostle Paul faced a multitude of challenges as a prisoner of the gospel in chains, including a shipwreck near the end of his ministry to the Gentile people. Listen to what he wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter, who were being led astray by false apostles, false Jesuses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 21b, from the message version. Since you admire the egomaniacs of the pulpit so much, remember this is your old friend the fool talking. Let me try my hand at it. Do they brag of being Hebrews, Israelites, the pure race of Abraham? I'm their match, says Paul. Are they servants of Christ? I can go to them one better. I can't believe I'm saying these things. It's crazy to talk this way, but I started and I'm going to finish. In verse 23, I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with Jews' 39 lashes, beaten by Romans' Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. In a hard traveling year in and out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm, and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And that's not the half of it, writes Paul. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches, when someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. Wow. Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? Sometimes we feel like writing a letter like that. And you know, it's not a bad idea to do that. Sometimes it's healthy to get out a journal and record all of these things that we're struggling with, all of our circumstances. Put it in the shredder. Hit the delete key. Or put it away somewhere safe for another time of reflection. I do that and... It certainly is helpful. 
But still yet, every now and then, all those thoughts of the difficult circumstances bubble up to the surface, and I have to reflect again and journal again. But let me reassure you, if you feel overwhelmed by the flood of circumstances in your life, you're not alone. I imagine if you were able to take a few moments to talk to the folks in your circle right around where you're sitting, you will find that they're experiencing some heavy-duty things like you are. For me, the month of July is just really hard. It was a, a year ago today that my dad went into the hospital with COVID for the final time, and he never came home, and he died on July 30th. He was in the hospital two times before that, discharged and sent home. Hopefully, things will be better. And that dreadful virus took him from us. So, every different day of July, I'm reflecting on what Dad was doing. Where was, where were we? It is hard. And I've been journaling a lot. <laughs> journaling a lot. But yet God is unchanging. God is with us. God is all around us. No matter what we face. And that's the hope I have and I believe it with all my heart. And the hope we as Christians have that we can share with others as we have opportunity Today we're going to see how the early church faced some very challenging circumstances with bold faith. And a little later in the message, I'll share three helpful practices that may help us face our tomorrows today. I want to reflect on this theme verse you heard Pastor Aaron read a little earlier. It's the very last verse of the very last chapter in the book of Acts. Acts 28.31, our guiding theme for this entire series, Acts Unhindered. Paul, the apostle, proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The early church was unhindered in the sharing of the gospel as it carried the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And often it was carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth because persecution moved the Christians outward. They wouldn't have designed it like that. We wouldn't have designed it like that, but that's what they did. We have seen they were unhindered by fear. They were unhindered by the changes that they experienced. They were unhindered by severe persecution. They were unhindered by racial prejudice of old and geographic boundaries as God enabled them to share the gospel and open doors and break down barriers and hindrances. And today we see how the early church was unhindered by its circumstances. There's no way that we could cover 
every situation and story in the time that we have this morning in the last message of the series. But this is just looking at a few of the major situations and circumstances that they faced as they continued to grow and expand as an early church. If you think about the word circumstances, by the way, it talks about the things that are going on around us. There can be positive circumstances, and we hope for those. And we could share praise reports of how God is at work among us and doing good, and there are good circumstances. And there are also, as we've said, difficult circumstances. Circumstances, the word comes from Latin. Circum means round, and sto is to stand. It's talking about the things that stand around us, the things that are going on around us, our surroundings, our conditions, our situations. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.11, I am content, I have learned to be content whatever my circumstances, speaking of how God gave him peace in all of these different trials that he faced. The Greek word translated circumstances most often as I was researching it is a little pronoun and it's literally translated whatever. So the Apostle Paul is saying whatever. Whatever's going on. It's a little tiny two-letter Greek word. Whatever. I've learned to be content. Whatever is around me. If you read from Acts 13, and get into all of the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul and the other activities of the early church, you'll see that one of the circumstances they faced was internal conflict. Don't you remember on the first missionary journey that left out of Antioch, Barnabas and Paul went and they took John Mark, Barnabas' cousin, with them, who's a young guy. And along the journey, for whatever reason, John Mark decided he didn't want to be about all that, and he turned around and he went back home. And it was very disappointing to Paul. And later, Paul and Barnabas had some words about that. In the second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, and Paul said, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. We're not going there. And so Barnabas and Paul decided to agree to disagree and they went one, Paul went one way and Barnabas the other, continuing to share the gospel and do the work of the church, but they had to deal with some internal conflict. And we'll see later as we read throughout the epistles that there was reconciliation with John Mark and Paul. And we understand that John Mark ended up being the one who uh, wrote the dictated words of Peter, which became the gospel of Mark, which was the foundation for the gospel of Luke and Matthew, one of the sources of those two gospels. So there was wonderful reconciliation. The church dealt with that circumstance, that conflict, and we know that they were able to resolve it in a healthy way. It wasn't easy. There was internal conflict in the church when the Gentiles started coming to Christ 
and many of the legalistic Jewish Christians didn't think that that was right. They felt that the Gentiles first needed to become ceremonially Jewish before they could become Christian, and that's how they would be saved. And there was a great discussion and debate, and all of the church leaders came together, what we had called the first business meeting of the early church in Luke, I mean, sorry, in Acts chapter 15. You can read it for yourself. But the church came together, and they heard each side, and then prayerfully made the a decision that was for the best, that enabled the Gentile believers to become Christians without requiring that they would go through circumcision and ceremonially become Jewish first. It was by grace that they were to be saved, not by works. And that, I believe, saved the church and enabled them to come together to be a global force for the gospel. But they dealt with it in a healthy way. It's a wonderful model for churches even today as they deal with difficult issues. Do you remember in Acts chapter 16 when Paul had his sights set on going to uh, first Asia and then that didn't work out, so then he wanted to go to Phrygia and Galatia? Do you remember? And the Holy Spirit set, stopped them, said, nope. I want you to go to Macedonia, and you, you, you can read that story. Sometimes we want to do our thing, and we feel this is what we need to do, but the Holy Spirit says, no, no, I've got better plans. Trust me. I know it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, but trust me, Macedonia is the way you need to go. And Paul was obedient, and he and his team on that missionary journey went to Macedonia, and out of that they led, were led to Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and Corinth, and you can read those letters to see of the activity that happened in those places that transformed the early church. The Macedonians were the ones who could least afford it, but were the ones who sent the most generous offerings back to help the mother church in Jerusalem. It's an amazing story. It was difficult for sure when you see what happened to Paul and his followers along those ways. There was external conflict. You heard me read it earlier. Persecution, flogging, imprisonments, shipwrecks. If you read this story about the last shipwreck in chapter 27. Verse 33 through 38, something remarkable happens. Listen to this. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. That was all of the men on the ship. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. 14 days, that, we have a hard time in our society going one uh, a day without eating anything. Could you imagine 14 days? Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. 
And after he said this, Paul, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. Does that sound similar to you? And when Jesus met with his disciples the night that he was betrayed, he took some bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them that they would eat. And then Jesus also took the cup and did the same. In the middle of the stormy sea, when the ship was about to break up, I see communion in the midst. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. All together, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. They would come ashore on Malta, and then eventually Paul would get to Rome, where he was in house prison, where he wrote that very, or he said, Luke writing that last part about sharing the gospel without hindrance. Nothing or no one could hinder the mission of these early apostles. And church, no thing or no one will hinder the work of the gospel today. What we've been through over the last year is terribly unfair, isn't it? I read in the newspaper the other day that over 4 million people have died of COVID globally. Over 4 million. And that's not fair. And there are a lot of other things we see that aren't fair. Surfside, Florida, what those families are going through, that's not fair. Our circumstances are often unfair. Yet we have a hope beyond hope. We are able to share the reason for the hope that we have because it is in a God who came to this earth and died on the cross and rose to new life and appeared to many. We have the hope in a resurrected God, a gospel that preaches new life and that the end is not here. The end is just the beginning for Christians. Paul writes in Philippians 4.13, as we reflect on our adverse circumstances, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. You might have learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. So as we face difficult circumstances around us, even as a church, do you think emerging from COVID is going to be easy? It's not easy. When we were in South Carolina last weekend visiting family, thanks for praying for my mom as she had surgery and she's, she's doing well in her recovery. But we went to church with Melanie's mom and I looked around at their pews. There were no hymnals, no pencils, no offering envelopes, no guest cards. They didn't have a formal invitation. Uh, they were uh, make, practicing very good and safe measures, but things are not normal yet. And I don't know that they ever will be. And we are trying to emerge from a very difficult year, seeking God's grace and help 
as we face a new tomorrow. And I know that we shall overcome, that we will face our future with faith, with boldness, with confidence, unhindered by our circumstances. We're going to be focusing on our vision as a church this fall and through the spring of next year. You'll hear more about that over the next month or so. And I am so excited as we begin this journey with the Center for Healthy Churches, who will help guide and direct us to focus on our true north star as a congregation so that everything we do can focus on that one common vision, that north star. I'm excited about that. As we face our tomorrows, as we go through difficult circumstances, here are a few practices that can be helpful. First, praise the Lord no matter what. Praise the Lord no matter what. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. A sacrifice of praise is basically giving God our best in the middle of whatever circumstances we are in. Giving to God what is prepared for us as the best and purest offering at that particular point in time. Praise the Lord no matter what with an offering or a sacrifice of praise. One writer says it this way, when your life is bad, God is still good. When your life is sad, God is still the comforter. When your life is confusing and everything is in disarray, God is still the peace. When you feel unstable, God is still the rock, the mighty God. When you feel lost, God is still the chief shepherd. When you face physical battles, God is still the great physician. When you feel unloved or rejected, God is still loving, all present, and refuses to forsake us. Our circumstances don't change who God is, and I will choose to praise God no matter what. The second practice, pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Early in this series, I quoted Gandhi who said that we are to be the change that we want the world to see. To be that change. And some of you practice the serenity prayer which helps give us wisdom when we face difficult circumstances. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Would you say that with me? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So we pray for wisdom. We will praise the Lord no matter what. We pray for wisdom as we face our future and the circumstances that are unknown and all awesome, fearful. And third, we look for signs of hope. As we pass through times of feeling adrift and not knowing where we are going or what we are meant to do in life, we can learn from the right biblical examples of those who literally floated at sea and had no idea what they were to do. 
Stephen Darty and Marjorie Thompson help us to focus on Noah again. In the middle of the flood, this epic flood, Noah sent a dove out and it first came back. But then he sent the dove out again and it came back with an olive leaf, an olive branch. And he knew there was land and that gave him hope. And Paul and his half starved cargo ship of travelers dodged shoals one stormy night off of the coast of Malta and all they could do was wait in fear and uncertainty but at Paul's urging they broke bread and they gave thanks to God who would think of having a communion type meal in the middle of a shipwreck when everything is looking bleak The ship itself shattered on a reef, yet all on board safely reached land, waiting and adrift no more. Thompson, Doherty and Thompson say, at times we drift in our lives amid the uncertainty and suspense of not knowing or sheer tedium of things remaining the same. We can learn to keep our eyes wide open, scanning the horizon of experience like Noah We may have to do this for a long time until at last some green sprig appears. There's land ahead. And signs beckon through something as ordinary as a phone call or as intimate as the touch of a child's hand or as subtle as an inner urge of whispering, this is where you need to go. Like Paul and his near-sinking boatload, we would be wise to feast ourselves again and again on the signs of promise and hope even as we are tossed about on the sea of not knowing what the future holds. But we worship a God who holds the future, an unchanging God who has given us hope in Jesus Christ.